0: Hi
1: everyone! Slamfire Radio, episode five hundred and forty for January seventeenth, twenty twenty-four. I'm one of your hosts, Adriel.
2: I'm another host, Kyle.
1: And I'm another one, Trevor. Returning from the grave, Trevor <laughs> yeah. is back. Okay, the grave.
0: Let me. Yeah, uh, thank you. Let me. <laughs> <get> early retirement. <laughs> Let me. I never retired. I didn't <laughs> die. I I posed. Uh, so I shot a match on the weekend. Right? No, it's actually mm-hmm. not a surprise that I shot a match, but. Nope. Um, one of the guys in in a group chat that I'm in with some of the Nova Scotia Ipsy people, he's like, uh, "Welcome back out of retirement." Like, Listen, chuckle nuts. The only fucking thing I retired from was social media. I never stopped shooting, not once. I stopped running shit, but I stopped posting about it. I'm not dead. I'm just not online. You, uh, there. It's true. You can live and do things without posting about them. It's it's it's, it's, cool. it's true. Mm, it's true. I, I, had, I don't I, believe it. I had breakfast this morning. I'm the only person who saw it. <laughs> didn't take a picture. Didn't no, even gram didn't it a little it. bit. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, my gram goodness. Gra- yeah, no. No, dude. No. So still not on social media. Still shooting shit. Awesome. Very good. Yeah.
1: Well, why don't you start us off with what you did in Gens? You've got probably some stuff to talk
0: about, right? Sure. Um, So most recently was uh getting down to Nova Scotia to hang out with the captain and um, the usual suspects down there that I shoot IPSC matches with. Unfortunately, last year, so yeah, if I'm being honest, last year I did not shoot indoors. We used to shoot one match per month all year, both indoor and outdoor, and then my outdoor hobbies obviously changed a little bit um, while studying, and then they kind of stayed um, not as active outdoors as I was, but indoor Captain Andy and I used to shoot one indoor match in Dartmouth every month at the AMA indoor range. And then his lead levels were astronomical. Um, And it's so he took an entire year off of indoor shooting, which means I took an entire year off of indoor shooting because it's a six hour drive. So I usually, yeah, I make a weekend of it. Right. I go down Friday night and um, meet Andy and Kim either at their house or at the ski hill or at somebody's dinner party. And then we get our drink on until the wee hours, spend most of the day Saturday recovering, cleaning guns while wearing pajamas. And then Sunday we get up, Casey stops in, we roll out the three of us to the indoor range, shoot the match, and then uh, drive straight home. So if I can't make a whole weekend of it, it's kind of, it's kind of impractical. Um, Yeah. I'm not taking a $200 a night hotel room to shoot a level two match with 150 rounds, right? So if I don't get a place to stay, I don't bother because it's just too far away. Unfortunately, it's the only decent indoor match. I think it. Well, okay, to be fair, if there are any other indoor IPSC matches in Lancana I don't know about them, and I think I would know about them. So it's a nice way to um, practice a different skill set and keep the, keep the rust off over the winter. So, um, it was, uh, it was a little rough, not going to lie. You know, I went in there with zero expectations, didn't get in my way. I just let the performance roll. I fell into autopilot. Um, but I did consciously make an effort to get a lot of A's and, and how, boy, howdy did I, I think the dude who won had like 90 A's and I had 117. But Ipsic wow. is yeah. <laughs> but Ipsic is points divided by time. <laughs> so <laughs> my my alpha count was one seventeen. My total seconds for the match was one twenty. It should have been yeah. one one seventeen and ninety-five, you know. So um I finished fifth overall. I haven't shot an indoor match since twenty twenty-two. I only had three outdoor matches this summer. I had no complaints. I had a blast. I saw, um, oh man, somebody from the sh- somebody recognized me from the show. This isn't going away. I listened to Slamfire Radio. <laughs> I listened to Slamfire Radio last week, and I heard my name three times in fifteen minutes. And then I go to a match on Sunday, and normally, because my memory is just crap, right? When I was organizing matches, I saw everybody's name all the time, and then I could have put a name to a face. But even like when I was shooting there in twenty twenty two because of COVID and not seeing people and stuff and scamdemic lockdown. And, uh, somebody come up to me and say hello. And I'd be like, Andy, Andy, what's that guy's name? (laughs) Andy would, that's Derek Merriweather. I'm just kidding, Derek. I haven't forgotten you. (laughs) And anyway, so some dude, uh, shout out to Richard. I know we do them at the end, but, uh, some Richard guy came up to me, um, and uh, actually, he went to Andy first. He said, is that Trevor from Slimefire? So it's kind of funny. All these years later, still getting recognized that matches. So um, what else? That's the most recent thing. I mean, just renewed all my memberships and stuff at the clubs and the associations and mm-hmm. went, went down. And uh, and I'm I'm I don't know. I'll check out Steven. If Steven's shooting the February match, I'll go. Andy's away. So um, I may not make it. So every weekend I got something. I'm either shooting a gun, shooting a bow, or playing with a toy car. So uh, I'm super busy, but it's awesome because it's pay to play. Like I don't run anything anymore. I'm not in charge of anything anymore. I can rage quit all I want, and I don't have to answer to anybody for it. It's outstanding to show up, pay my money, play my game, and then leave. So good. So good. Yeah, it's nice to not have to volunteer
1: at absolutely everything. What kind of uh, gun are you shooting at your lipstick matches? Redback or something else? Oh no,
0: uh, same, same. I I kept the I kept the redback, and man, Adriel, like holy smokes, my eyes changed. Mm, well, they must have changed again because I don't remember them ever being this bad. But they they from eighteen to forty three or forty four, they didn't change. I'm forty nine now, and my dots still fine but I picked up one of Andy's 1911s. I shot 1911 at a match this summer, and it was okay. I mm-hmm. picked up Andy's 1911 in and his little dry fire range, and <laughs> I couldn't focus on the front, the back. They were both completely blurred out. I was like, oh, shit. You better stay in love with that red dot for a lot, because you're hooped. Let's oh, go straight target focus. Don't worry about focusing on those close Fair, things. Fair. You don't need sights. Sights. <laughs> Sorry, sights are a suggestion, like speed limits. Yeah. So, anyway. Dot life now. Dot life. Mandatory dot life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hashtag dot life. So, yeah. Anyway. Cool. Yeah. All right. And other than that, both archery, um, joined the archery club, started an archery program for the kids at school because I heard that there's an archery league. So, it's a very specific program designed for schools to be shot in school gyms. I was trained in the program as an instructor way back in 2009, and a uh, week after I started up my new my new job at my new school, I heard that uh, the district was holding a tournament. I was like, "Oh, I'm putting together a team of killers. These guys, they don't even know I took pictures of all my archery." Hold on, yeah, you can see all those medals. Those are all archery medals, and then the rest is zipsec packs, the plaques. But yeah, the the top ones are provincial championships and national medals, and then local stuff and then the now, are those like first second or third or does everyone get a get a ribbon in say Participation? Get no. oh that's funny that's funny no the lefties haven't taken over archery kids calm down
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh but i'm struggling like i'm at practice right i i haven't shot a round of archery for score since 2008 so out of 300 on monday i shot 293 and then last or tonight Ironically, with my 3D bow, right? So we're not going to go down that road, but a 3D bow and a target bow can and should be set up very, very differently. And um, I only shoot 3D tournaments now. I don't punch paper anymore. But at the club, you're punching paper. You're just keeping your form and your technique in check and stuff. And so anyway, and I'm an egomaniac, so I can't not keep score. So I shot a 293 out of a possible 300 on on Monday night with my 3D arrows. So mm-hmm. tonight I got in there and I used my target arrows, which are very different, it's like 45 versus 22, big fat diameter to cut the lines and stuff, right? Yeah, more forgiving, easier, blah blah blah. <laughs> I was down one point. Whoa. I just should have. Anyway, yeah, I thought I could squeeze out maybe two or three extra points on my score by using my actual target arrows, but did not work. So anyways, tournament on Sunday, Saturday, locally. So I'll be going to that three D tournament. So cool, yeah. Yeah. Hey Richard. Cool. All
1: right. Yep. Uh Kyle, you're up. Okay.
2: Oh, well. Adriel and I on Thursday last week, we streamed and did some match video breakdowns. And uh, I think it was a good time. A couple hours spent doing that.
0: That would have been
2: I've cool. Posted uh, one video up on YouTube, and I'm going to schedule probably at least like one, so one a week. So I got three more stages that we reviewed from Thursday to post. Now,
0: Kyla, Kyla are these your stages that you shot? So you record yeah. yourself, and then you and Adriel break down your performance, your stage plan, all that stuff. Yeah. So you look at it and go, this is where I shit the bed. Next time I'll do it differently. Oh,
2: yeah. Just tearing tearing each (laughs) other apart. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I love it. I'd like to get in on this, actually. Let me know when you do one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Far be it from me to be overly critical of anyone.
2: (laughs) So, but, uh, but yeah, it was good. And yeah, absolutely. I'll let you know. We'll send out a messenger pigeon or something to you there, Trevor.
0: Nice. We have the telephone down here in New Brunswick. Do you, do you yep. got that now? Yeah. So waiting on indoor plumbing, but.
2: Uh. Okay. <laughs> uh, then, well, uh, I know we got to come up in an email there, but my uh, new camera came in. So some stuff for that. I know Tony was asking an email coming up. It's a Sony ZV-E10. So getting that set up for SHOT Show next week.
1: Fancy. uh, Are you going to report from SHOT Show, not next week, probably the week after, right?
2: Yeah, I might. Well, yeah, I mean, I might be on the show next week and might just do like a quick thing, but that's middle of the show. So yeah, might as well wait for the full report till the show is actually done. 31st. Yeah. That way, that. Okay, cool. Yeah, but I'm going to try and get some interviews and some video while I'm there. So then we can post up separate you know, shot show coverage for the channel. So yeah, playing with that, getting that set up. I mean, buddy, same buddy who went to Odessa. We drove to Lubbock on Saturday and shot a USPSA match there. It's a good match, six stages. So it was definitely, uh, it was worth the drive. They put on an incredible match. There's like 70 shooters at this level one match. And, uh, uh, that's a good video for us to... Well, I was really happy with my movement on Saturday. Like, movement through the stage. Uh, I forgot how to shoot. I took a few too many mics. Same thing that happened the weekend before in Odessa. My best stage and stage win was my first stage of the day and also the only stage where I didn't have any mics.
0: Sorry, Kyle. What uh, discipline? Pistol. Uh, okay, no, sorry. So, like what match was it an IDPA was it an IPSC. You a...
2: USPSA.
0: Okay. And what, uh...
2: uh, I'm shooting in limited minor,
0: limited minor.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. Does your boyfriend know?
2: <laughs> oh, I miss you, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: never, I've never heard that said before. I don't know what to do with, I don't know what to do with
2: that. Yeah. Uh, but uh yeah, so my we were talking before even like on Thursday night and when we were doing the match video with uh Joe Farewell about my stutter stepping, my movement was a lot better on Saturday, actually flowed through the stages smooth. But yeah, I uh either I'm jerking my trigger or my grip's too loose. I know on one stage especially but I had such a bad grip grabbing my gun off a barrel. That uh yeah, but still fun match.
0: Well that identifies something to practice during dry fire.
2: Exactly. All
0: right, just put a yeah. put it put it down on the table. Now, in USPSA, are you allowed to quote-unquote stage the gun, like we've because of gamers like me and a few others around New Brunswick and Canada, we've really started to clean up our um, gun ready position where we'll, so we'll literally say, okay, stage description, you get to the part firearm ready condition instead of just saying loaded on barrel. We'll now write it very specifically: firearm loaded on barrel with mark visible through trigger guard. Right. So which means I can no longer like prop my gun up like that because this gun will sit like this, right? Hmm. And then I come into it like this. So if you're just listening and not watching, I'm holding the gun in the air so that the muzzle oh. and the magwell would be laying flat on the table, yeah. and the beaver tail is is just ready for me to. Slam my hand in, lift it off the table. So is USPSA still kind of loosey goosey like that, or are they very strict like the way that we're being told? No, it goes lay, it lays flat on its side. It's not propped up. There's like usually they take a, a patch and they mark an X on it, and then you have to be able to see that through the trigger guard. So where are you guys with that?
2: Uh I don't know. It was a level one match that wasn't.
0: Rules are rules. Cutters. They're not the rules. They're... Don't change based on the level.
2: No, so, but they're they've I haven't looked into it so deep to see if like it said look at so, a well, well,
0: right, but you won't necessarily see that in a rule book. You'll see it in the in the stage description put together by the master actor.
2: Yeah, they just put I didn't see it challenged. I didn't okay. see anyone, anyone trying to so, stand it up. Oh, there's no factory.
0: Okay, well you got to be that guy then. You got to push the limits. <laughs> you got to you got to game the shit out of that. Right? like yeah, the time. No. Like, like and the time. I would really
2: appreciate doing that because I've done table and with my extended mag release and it's happened, I've Opposite tried up. it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes getting the thumb under it. There was one stage one time, Kyle, where the stage description said, so you're supposed to be playing cards. the The premise of the stage, the intent, the intent. I don't give a shit about intent. This is a game. Write it so I don't screw with you. The intent of the stage was you're sitting at a table. It's a poker game. And everyone is holding cards in their hands, right? So your gun and mag were on the table, all right. So you can see my gun. I don't have a mag, but I pointed the camera at my gun. So the gun's laying flat. Magazine is right here, right? So you're supposed to be holding a, a, some cards that they put like it's like a full house, and they're laminated together. And you're the intent is you're holding the cards like this, but it doesn't say to hold the cards like this. It doesn't even say to hold the cards in your hands. <laughs> So I held the cards in my mouth and I put my hands like this. Right. I held I held one hand on top of the gun and one hand on top of the mag, and the arrow was weak, and he let me do it. <laughs> Man, when the master director found out, it was like for a lot from now on, everything that you have to hold gets rubbed on my nuts first.
2: And of course they but they wouldn't let you put it where your mag was basically already started into the mag. Well, so you just have to pull your hands together.
0: In this case, they may have had uh An outline: The gun goes here, the man goes here. And then if you were lefty, it was, you know, you could switch it over, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry.
2: It's all good. But yeah. So yeah, identified some stuff to work on and a match coming up this weekend here in Carlsbad. Although looking at the weather, I don't know if we'll cancel it or not. It's only daily highs just over freezing. So I don't know. Meeting tomorrow night. Go over that, and then yeah, next week's shot show. Yeah, that's about it for me. How about you, Adriel?
1: Oh, a couple things. Uh, this last weekend, I did my first pal course. Yeah, yeah, good time. Uh, so now that that's done, it was uh, it was good to kind of see some of the uh, just some of the logistics of running one of those things. Right, you needed to figure out like okay what do i need to have i did it in my house so i'd have like absolutely everything i could possibly need and identified a couple things like ooh, i really need to add that to my kit chokes i need to add Mm. a couple of chokes to the kit well i got a pile of old turk shit shotgun chokes so i'll bring some of those a full and a cylinder and that'll make it easier uh and then a couple of other things uh that were just handier to to have out extra pins and all that kind of stuff so Give me a list of things that I needed to kind of head down to Staples to to get and make sure I had ready for uh, for my next pal course, which will be kind of in February here. Actually, I might do another private one before then. I'll probably do another private one before then. Uh, but uh, now it's good because uh, this one was it uh, was with friends and family. So a whole bunch of my brothers and family got all got licensed and uh, now they'll all have they'll all have licenses is asking first few courses monitored by someone or are you good to go? I'm good to go just have to produce the course reports and do <laughs> all the paperwork as per standard and uh, that's I've got I got a, a buddy of mine who's uh, who's doing pal courses in Calgary that's been helping me along with some of the uh, paperwork and do's and don'ts and all that kind of stuff so it's been very helpful to to make sure that I've been getting my stuff done. Uh, yes yeah, so that's that that went well. I've got a whole bunch of uh, events that I'm going to be doing at uh, the Sherwood Park uh, range that are going to be announced here in uh, a week or two. Uh, so those will be good. They have like a clubhouse. It's 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 a really nice setup for it. So uh, I'm looking forward to those. I think what I might do is I might camp. So like Sherwood Park's got, got a campground there as well. So I might camp and then do a pal course and then camp a little bit more. And then Sunday, maybe do a little bit of shooting then pack up and go home kind of a thing. Do a couple of weekends like that. If there's enough demand for it, I might do RPAL courses. I didn't think I would get any demand. Um, but I've already like, built like a basic page on my website and that kind of thing. And I've already been getting calls. Hey, can you do an RPAL? I'm like, well, why? Oh, I gotta do one for work. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm starting to come around to the fact that maybe I'll have to do RPALs as part of this. I've been trying to avoid it because uh, it's another day, it's a mixture of complexity with oh, this person's this day and this person's that day, this person hasn't had it, this person. You know, you have to do the two for I and I don't have a double action revolvers because those are stupid, uh, and uh, therefore I need to rent a kit. I need I need to get a kit from here uh, to be able to to put on those restricted courses. So, but I might have to do them anyways. Might have to do them. Uh, yeah, did that match breakdown video with uh, with Kyle. That was fun. Uh, and then, um, so one the uh, one of our listeners actually loaned me the uh, the lever action that I used for the course, which is a, a narinko lever action. It's a bit hinky in terms of how it's used, but I'm, I'm really happy that I got to to borrow it. But uh, I sought out. Uh, I was I've been looking for a, a reasonably par- priced lever action, and they just don't exist. Uh, but what I did find was I mean. a Mossberg four six four. And it was recently priced seven hundred bucks. That's reasonable for a lever action these days. What's this for? The pal course requires a lever, lever action.
0: Right. Well, why don't you just get an old beat up 30-30 that's like made what the eighties? Huh. What do you think those those go for right now? A um, Win ninety four or a three three six. Okay, pre sixty four is between six and nine depending on condition. And the garbage. 800 one. minimum garbage, complete garbage, 800 minimum. Something
1: what? that's unfireable will be five or 600 bucks. I'm not shitting you. The this is what happened in the market. One... Yep. Wow. I, I, so um we were talking about on um, one of the other.
0: um Jesus, I days. hope Marcel's not listening. How to get mine back, but I still can't. <laughs> I've got off well, to Frank's Merlin, but Marcel's got my, my dad's thirty thirty. Anyway
1: the the price on them went way up. So um Yellowstone maybe like the the show Yellowstone, maybe that's why they or maybe just like manufacturing like they stopped manufacturing. So this this rifle came out in 2008. In 2008, think about back in 2008. A bunch of budget bolt action rifles were coming onto the market. They were good, they were cheap. They're better for hunting.
0: That this is not a the era of the Axis.
1: Yeah. Uh, or even the the Savage One Eleven uh, package trophy rifle. hunter, yeah, that's yeah. what I had. Four hundred bucks, five hundred bucks. Great yeah. rifle, great um, rifle. Same price as one of these, but in a much more uh, capable cartridge. So I
0: think Mossberg released this. That's at the a wrong nice time. animal, man. That's a that's this, a nice rifle. Yeah, that's nice.
1: It is. It's way nicer than an uh, to uh, And so I got this because it was the cheapest lever action. Did you say it was a Mossberg?
0: Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a Moss.
1: No, it's a Mossberg 464. Wow. But it's got a rebounding hammer on it. Okay, kind of neat. It's got a lever safety, which of I course. don't really like. Oh, they but all do. the rebounding hammer on it is quite nice. And it's like and it's also got a tang safety cuz why not let's put put another safety on there. That's not like okay, I just described three safeties to you, the lever, the tang safety, the rebounding hammer. It's also got a firing pin. Like the firing pin the lever has to be in for the firing pin to be able to strike on the bolt. It's got four. garbage, <laughs>
0: overly complicated, overly engineered garbage. Wow.
1: That perspective. So over overly engineered. Yes. But they, they sold this as a, a budget lever action. when it Yeah. Came and out. As
0: long as you never use it, it'll be
1: fine. Oh, no, <laughs> but, I think it's good. The, yeah, the, the 500 rounds to it. Let me know what breaks. I will. Well, actually, I won't. I'll put. No,
0: yeah, no, <laughs> I'll
1: put fifty rounds through. Yeah, it. you'll oh, never God. put five hundred oh, rounds through that no, in your entire no, life. No, never. And, and I mean, the finish is, on it is not great, and the checkering on it is that uh, that laser engraved stuff that doesn't oh, last. Okay. Rather well, than like complete far. checkering, you see that that wear oh, on damn, the fore in yeah. there. That's because um, like real, with real checkering. <laughs> Uh, no, well, I think it's the laser, like, uh, I think it's a laser cut engraving on it because like a regular checkering is hard and doesn't wear off. Whereas this laser stuff or this cut stuff, like it's very, it it can be brushed off like that. Um, so it's not as durable, right? Uh, but it's like compared to, um, some of the older lever actions and some of the, even like. It's easier to put a scope on. There's and mm-hmm. it's got a cut like the trigger press on it's not bad. The cycling on
0: it's not bad. So, you know, uh, this you know, this I didn't know this recently. I had my hands on a um, Marlin 4570 mm-hmm. that was produced now that Ruger has them. I didn't know that they left rem, they're no longer remlins mm-hmm. and that Ruger had them. And of course, well, that's what you would expect. The quality was outstanding but the price is also
1: outstanding. Like pretty much (laughs) all new lever action rifles now are 1500 and up. Wow. It's, it's outrageous how expensive they are. There's some exceptions there. I think there's some Chiapas and some Petrasolis that are a little bit less
0: if they're not. Name name another word, name another word that starts with the letter CHS pronounced Chiapa. Chiapa. Yeah. Uh,
2: Like chicken, chicken, (laughs) chicken, <laughs>
1: Anyways, um yeah, I'm I'm actually like kind of happy with this thing. It's uh it, it's going to do what I need it to do. Um in terms of a hunting rifle, I'm never going to use like something like this for hunting, hunting. You had to spend $800 to get a
0: teaching aid. 700. Oof, 700. Okay. 700. Yeah.
1: indeed I did. indeed Ouch. I did.
0: Yeah, you get to But I get back something that
1: yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get it back pretty quick as long as I can get the classes going. Uh, and then a smaller thing, but uh, I've got a Daisy. Daisy? No, Diana. I've got a Diana Chaser. This is actually on Matthew's uh, recommendation. So I had uh, uh, I had that like pump action uh, crossman, and Matthew was saying, uh, "Hey, you should get the Diana. It's got a seven shot repeater." I got one nice. of these things trying to find the magazines oh, what a bastard so oh yeah find oh yeah so I'm, I'm like single shot firing this thing and uh buddy of mine listener to the show and uh, uh edmontonian he's like hey i found a place that has these clips and they're they're pretty cheap i don't know if they call them a clip or a magazine what is that magazine clips
0: a magazine a clip feeds yeah. a mag a mag feeds a chamber what are you talking about you know these things but it but
2: a clip play. can go in the gun though
0: yeah an end block clip
1: is this an M block click, clip? Uh, anyways, regardless, <laughs> a 7 Shot Magazine. That's uh, yeah, kind of cool. It's like a little spring. I, think, guy it, in I there. think it's cute
0: when you try and crack me, Kyle. Do that again. That was
2: fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, all you need to do is just run the bolt. and That's it cool. It loads every time. I yeah. still have the uh, the Crossman pump one that uh, I had growing up when my dad passed for <laughs> cleaning out the house. I found it. Is it Still. 177 or 22? No, 22. The big dog. It can kill. It,
1: oh, will, yeah. kill. <laughs> it will kill. <laughs> yeah, I used, uh, I used that snake. one on some grouse and rabbits and all sorts of stuff this year. I cleaned and I it for enslaved. the first time probably ever. They need cleaning? Uh, this one did. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Probably. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyways, so that'll be nice because yeah, uh, th- the whole idea is I want to be able to shoot grouse with this thing. Uh, I was shooting grouse with the pump action. What happens if you miss? Well, you're aiming for the head on a grouse. You shoot him. You fire fire your shot. You miss. Well, now, click, 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 while the grouse is sitting there. Hopefully, it stays still. With this one, it's just going to be like that, and I fire again, and uh, my makeup shot. Hopefully, hopefully get alpha on that one. Uh, And then, a buddy of mine dropped this off for review today. This is a Savage 334. Uh, it is a Turkish rifle. This is actually the ATA turqua. It's a three-shot bolt-action hunting rifle. Uh, I think it's kind of like a Turkish Tika. Look at this. Three-round single-stack magazine. It's got uh, a 60-degree three-lug bolt. Never mind. of a it Hawa. Wow. Gl- glassy smooth on the bolt
0: glassy smooth or tolerances you could drive a truck through smooth oh, i'm, I'm wow. moving it
1: side to side right now and there's like a, a tiny little bit of wiggle but not really a lot really smooth on it i was like on the fence with these things because at uh for boxing days Cab- Cabell's had like the access for sale or they had these for sale and these are just a little bit heavier. And the magazines only three shot. That's all you really need hunting anyways. Um, But even though it's only three shot, it's still not flush. Uh, So I was like kind of on the fence with these things. But oh boy, after after having it in my hand, that's it's interesting. Uh, it's got a three position safety on the side there. I don't like the position of the safe. I hate these safeties that are up on the right side of the receiver. Yeah. Give you're up me on a deer or something like that. And me. you got to, like, I got to reach over here and be like, yeah, ah, turn no, it off give me safe. A tang.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah a tang or something else that's just easier to reach. But, uh, but this one's got three positions. So bolt lock, safety in the middle, and then off safe at the end there. So I do like three position safeties because. I have gone out hunting and bumped the bolt and uh, gone to take a shot and I just not noticed it. And uh, yeah, so it's nice. It's nice having those three positions on there. The comb of the stock is way higher than a lot of other, like a lot of budget hunting rifles. The stock goes down like a lot. The comb goes down a lot and you're not able to get like a decent cheek weld. I still think like this one, I I don't quite have my cheek on it just yet, but it's way higher. A hundred
0: years, a hundred years later, they're finally putting stocks for scopes on rifles that don't have iron sights.
1: Yeah. If like on my Savage <laughs> axis, I have to have a huge pad on it in order to run a scope. And like this yeah, scope the axis isn't... that
0: didn't come with iron sights has a stock. Yeah. For iron sights. Yeah.
1: yeah. Or, or maybe like, like, maybe they're, they're trying to make it so that absolutely everyone can use it. Now there's some like fat faced mutant out there that, that they they've designed that gun around as a, a minimum viable product but this one's
0: i feel like fat face mutants are not the market for these guns
1: (laughs) uh stock on it feels kind of cheap but steel swing sling swivels that's a rarity these days there there's so many places cheaping out and doing like the molded in sling swivels that uh steel sling swivels are kind of a kind of a luxury these days uh, what else I do? I published the uh, video on the Hooglu Renova, and then sold it. So I had a, a guy who wanted to buy it. I'm like, I got to do the video first. I did the video, and they're like, Okay, now I'm buying it from you. Now it's fine. <laughs> 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 All right, fine. I got too many shotguns, anyways. I was glad to glad to move it. Too many of these things on the back row are are 12 gauge. Got to move them out. Uh, so I think I'm gonna do a range visit this weekend. I'm gonna shoot the uh, Savage 334 the Mossberg uh 464 and that GSG 16 up there see if I can uh, wear it in see how reliable it is and uh yeah just have some fun it's going to snow a bunch but whatever
0: what do you got um in the way of like tactical 12 gauges tactical as in like three gun
1: tactical or tactical as in like uh end of the world well, no, like I gotta a 590A1 pl- or uh well nothing nothing like that no Uh, that's i'm not really super interested i guess i have a couple of pumps i got some of those turnian international like 870s the the chinese 870s uh i got a savage 20 gauge pump but i don't want it i got a couple of semi-autos that i also don't need oh yeah i got a I'll tell you after the show. Sounds like you're interested in some shotguns. <laughs> I'd be happy to sell some of them because uh, I don't need this many shotguns.
0: More of a one shotgun kind of a guy. I, don't I just know. need my A five. Yeah, I don't know why you keep saying this word "need." Like, need you don't need any guns, period. Well, here I'll I'll put it this way. So
1: I, I need an open spot to put new guns over here. Oh, see the all these like see the guns stacked <laughs> on on more guns. I need some yeah. spots available. Put and, some more and, guns. You remember the formula n plus one. No, I got to cycle. No. I got to no. move inventory. Buy and sell. Buy low, sell high. Yeah. Or just sell at the same. <laughs> but now that I'm now that I'm licensing people, maybe I'll sell some more. All right. it, it take to get a pal these days: two months, three months, a year. If it's soon maybe I can sell some guns,
0: hey? Yeah, when the licensing is done, you bring them into the into the room where they can shop.
2: <laughs>
0: it's like it's like the guy at the DMV who does the licenses owns the Ford dealership down the street. What what the hey? I will use this to my advantage. Yeah.
1: I think give them a de- good deal. Uh yeah, that's about it for me for what I did in guns. Yeah, I'll hit the range this weekend and shoot all those things. I guess I got to go pick up some 30-30 and uh Get some stuff ready. Uh, upcoming events. Uh, yeah, shit's cold. So there's not really a lot of events right now. <laughs> Lower Trent Valley ORPS January 20th. It's coming up this weekend. Yep. Anything in the news this week?
2: I haven't Probably. seen anything.
1: Cold. Yeah, no real news. Uh, let's get into new gun stuff. So new gun stuff is brought to you by Bullseye North. Need New boomstick. Bullseye North is Canada's shooting superstore and a proud supporter of CCFR. A wide selection of guns and top trending gear for any shooter. Uh, free shipping over $250. Some exclusions apply, and they have a flat rate of $17 bucks under $250. Let's get over to share my screen. They have the Vortex Optics Viper Riflescope uh, rifle scope 3 to 9 by 40 with dead hold BDC for $379 right now. That looked like a pretty good deal. And then it's for some of the other deals that we found, Rangeview Sports has the arcan Optics EP8 at 499 That's a 34 millimeter tube. Why is it only a 28 by 28 I guess that's, is that's, that better than a by 30?
2: Well, that's the, that's obje- the objective, the objective right? not the tube size, yeah.
1: So that is better, because a 30 millimeter yep. tube, you'd never be able to do a 28.
2: For no, objective. it'd be like a 24. Mm-hmm. Like, that's probably like the same as my, uh, VX6 is uh, a 1 to 6 by 24, 30 mm-hmm. mil tube. Yeah, Got it. Yeah. Well, that's pretty good then. Okay.
1: I got that for 499 That's pretty inexpensive for a low power variable optic. And then Marstar has got some of the uh, Keltex restocked. So if you're looking for an RDB or a KS7 or KSG or SU-16 or Sub-2000 or anything, that kind of thing, they've got those in, in stock which kel comes and goes in this country
0: twice a year. So okay, some question. people bring it in and it's all gone. Yep. The KS7, I see mm-hmm. here's almost half the price of the KSG. Is the KS7 a 7 round capacity? Is that why? It's, it a not one have... tube. it's a one-tube. It's one a one tube.
1: tube instead of two-tube. That's why it's half the price. Okay. Interesting. It's compact. Like in terms of overall, like overall length, 26.1 inches. That is, (laughs) (laughs) but it doesn't have a collapsible stock either. So it could be shorter if they want it to be. But like, um, I I went through this trying to build my 300 blackout like minigun, uh, 26 is the legal limit for like something that's got a collapsing stock, but you don't really want to go shorter than that. Anyways, it makes the length of pull and everything else just ridiculous on them.
0: Are this any of these any good yet? Are they all still POSs? I thought the KSGs were fine. KSG, I had a KSG. I mean, the um, UTAS was a piece of shit. They, I mean, I had one of the first 50 KSGs that came to Canada, and it's not necessarily that it wouldn't run. It was just a cheap-feeling, plaque-sticky, the manual of arms was dumb, reloading was slow. Mm-hmm. I mean... No change there. It's well, I don't think
2: back. the reloading is ever yeah. going to get faster with these. No, no.
0: Now what about like the SU 16? There was broken receivers on those for a while. Cause you know, it's, it's all plastic clamshell. They feel like toys. I've heard that the breaking receivers
1: issue is resolved. I am not willing to put a thousand dollars into one of these things to find
0: that out. They don't feel like they would be able to take a lot of rounds. All right, I was a huge K- Keltec fan in the beginning when I was young, dumb, and naive. Like, I had uh, I had the uh, Sub-2000, the SU-16, all cooled. I had all the mm-hmm. cool stuff on it. And I had the uh, KSG. And uh, eventually, I got rid of all of them. They were all... I mean, I got rid of the KSG because it just it wasn't practical to use in competition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the, we started to get better non-plastic guns in Canada, so I dumped the SU-16, and while shooting the sub-2000 one day, the feed ramp, which was just a piece of molded plastic, clipped onto a piece of steel tube, like, fell out <laughs> the mag well when I did a mag change, just cracked in half, like, so, anyway.
1: Uh, good times? I think those are, like, the sub-2000s <laughs> are better. I, I would, um if I had to shoot PCC, I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't mind shooting a, a sub two thousand. I don't mind the the reload and the grip. And I've seen a couple of guys that run those at three guns, so they're running like fairly high like uh, round sh- uh, sh- shot counts through them. Mm-hmm. They're fine. They're staying they're fine.
0: together. That's good. They're staying together for the most part. For the most had, part. Okay, I had the um, that aluminum handguard, the Red Lion Precision one, and mm-hmm. the front sight was is cool. New... The new sub two thousand has a rotating handguard, so yeah. you can put an optic, optic on it. That's right. Yeah. That's what the red line gave you at the time. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: But this SU like this would be a real cool like ranch rifle. If you wanted a ranch rifle, low shot, low round count on it, but something to shoot coyotes, chuck it in the in the tractor or whatever. I would totally buy one of these. They're so light. They're so lightweight. Look at this. Five point four pounds. Try to build an AR that's that that weight. That's hard. Is the mini fourteen gone? Yeah, Mini-14's okay. gone. But this,
0: that would be one of the lightest semi-automatic 223s this, you can buy. This is why I'm upset. The Mini-14's gone. This isn't. This folding two-two-three rifle. Uh, <laughs> no, this one doesn't fold anymore. Oh, the, nope.
1: is the SU-16 no longer folds? You're thinking of the previous, this is the FE version. This one's got like the tube and all this other crap on it. This one doesn't fold. Oh well, maybe that's why it doesn't break. That's the other one. Where's do they have the other one for even for sale here? I don't even see it. Nope. No. I uh, don't
0: see it. They, no. They, no.
1: That's the okay. like RDB. Yeah. The RDBs are okay, but they got a firing pin problem. The firing pin's like wear and break on them. Anywho. It, yeah. All right. That's a good dive into some what's what's going on with <laughs> Uh Turnian listed some of the new guns they're bringing in. And they look kind of interesting. I don't know if they're actually getting to get in. This is like, are they going to get in before the lock? Before like the no new semi-autos are going to get approved? They're trying to get this T07 in. Submachine gun. Looks pretty cool. Nine uh, millimeter. I wonder if those are going to get in or not. And then they have the EM-124. It's a straight pull shotgun. It's looking pretty wild. It's pretty interesting. I don't know if I'd buy one, but they look. it looks um, way different than anything else on the market. And, uh, yeah, those look kind of neat. And then Profit River has, uh, they announced that they're bringing in some Winchester Model 70s and Model 1885 low walls. I was kind of curious, like, where where are these even being made? Because Winchester's not a company anymore, right? It's just a brand that sells other people's stuff or, or has other uh, shops make their stuff. Uh, so I looked up both of these. The Winchester Model 70s. Uh, they were being made in the U.S., and then uh, they might have been made in Japan. Now they're being made, assembled, at least in Portugal, um, but still like a, a high-quality rifle. And then those Model 1885 low walls are coming in from Japan. Uh, Mitsuki <laughs> mid something or other. That's the name of the manufacturer on those. This Interesting, is funny. anyways.
0: I clicked on the link, which brought me into Canadian gun nuts. And, oh, boy, I checked my inbox. (laughs) There's messages from 2001. I'm sorry to hear you're leaving the show. Do you still have such such a gun? (laughs) Oh, I had the same thing. I actually just recently logged in. I'm like,
1: oh, crap. I had a listing up, and it was like some ammo for 17 WSM, which is impossible to find. And I had listed it and forgot about it. And I had like 10 private messages like, oh, boy, can you ship this to me? I forgot about it. Oh but, man! Yeah. yeah, old CGN. That's probably what I mm-hmm. used to see what new gun stuff is coming in, right? Because most of the uh, retailers are on there, and they they post up there when they when they get new stuff. Anyways, I want to get into the the main topic, which is uh, bow hunting. This is actually a, a topic that our listeners uh, asked for in our recent survey. So we did a like a an annual survey, see what kind of topics they want. They're like bow hunting. I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, I was talking with Trevor. I'm like, hey, you bow hunt, right? I done killed some stuff, yeah. Ki- I killed a thing with my bow. No, well, like some small game, one deer, and then that's it. And I'm like, I'm not enough of an expert. Like, yeah, I've gone hunting. I shot a deer one time. But that's, I wouldn't consider myself. And I wouldn't do justice to the topic um, like you potentially would, right? Because,
0: well, well I know. mean, I was certainly... Much more of a competition archer and um, archery coach, but I, um, I was, uh, you know, had some success in, in in bow hunting as well. So there's things that I can bring to the topic of bow hunting that that um, I think is often overlooked. Um, so I put down some talking points here in the show notes to go through, and um, yeah. so one of the first things to consider when you get into bow hunting Well, I'm going to focus my talk here tonight on a bow and arrow, not a compound, not a um, crossbow. Now that said, archery tackle includes crossbows. And um, if you want to benefit from a early season perhaps because the legislation surrounding archery seasons varies from province to province. Some provinces for a longest time wouldn't allow crossbows for example. Some provinces offer an early season or an extended season for archery tackle. So if you want to use a string and an arrow to bag your, gim- your big game because it will get you into the woods, for example, in New Brunswick, three weeks early. You can yeah, start
1: qu- quite a bit earlier here in Alberta as well. Like in my yeah. area, I can hunt September 15th instead of November
0: 1st. It's it's a big yeah. advantage.
2: But and, Alberta, crossbow doesn't count as archery.
0: There you go. I, See, so you have definitely. to be familiar. That's a great point, Heffy. You have to be familiar with your provinces uh, and zones regulations with regards to archery equipment, whether that archery equipment be a crossbow Mm -hmm. or uh, a bow. We just heard one example where the crossbow is not even linked with the bows. When crossbows came in in New Brunswick, man, oh my God, I thought we were going to have blood in the streets. (laughs) because They didn't want to share the woods, right? just like if you go back far enough, traditional archery equipment was the only thing allowed during bow season. Then compound Mm -hmm. bows came out and, you know, the guys didn't want to upgrade their equipment. They didn't want to share the woods with compound bows. And let's face it, a compound bow is much, much easier to master and shoot than a traditional bow. But that being said, if you want to shoot a bow and arrow at an animal and you do not have time or access to a coach, then I don't think you should do it because it is very easy to wound an animal with an arrow. An arrow is incredibly lethal, but only when it's done correctly and placed in the vitals. It's not a bullet. You can't shoot an arrow into an animal's shoulder. You are supposed to shoot broadside or quartering away. You have to take a hunter education course to learn about the importance of shot angles. And then you got to be able to shoot. I have a serious pet peeve when I'm at the archery club and I hear somebody say, well, that's good enough for me. I'm just a bow hunter. Look, I get it. Your margin of error on a moose is far greater than what I have when I'm trying to shoot an arrow into a spot the size of a dime from 18 meters away. I get it. But I wish the attitude was, it is far more important for me to be accurate as a bow hunter than it is as a target shooter. Because if I shoot an eight, nobody cares if I stick an arrow into the skull of a deer and the deer walks into somebody's lawn and pictures end up all over social media, you make every bow hunter around the world look bad. You feed the lefties and the anti hunters who want to ban bow hunting because it's unethical. Bow hunting is ethical, but unfortunately they're idiots. They're idiots with guns and they're idiots with bows. And idiots should be banned, not hunting, not bow hunting. So, I cannot stress enough, if you wanted to get into bow hunting, you need to get yourself a coach. Archery equipment is not one-size-fits-all. If you want to get into bow hunting, it's important to understand that the bow needs to be adjusted to fit your body, your draw length, your length of pull, if you will. Call it draw length in archery. And... You don't sacrifice your form and your technique to fit the bow. You bring the bow to someone who's qualified to make the bow fit you, so you can use proper form and technique. Okay,
1: hey, Trevor, can I can I tell a horror story? Uh, oh yeah, of course, here.
0: man.
1: <laughs> 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 My first bow I bought uh, at a garage sale for five dollars. Oh, You're hell right. Of deal, horror right? Story. horror hell of story. a story. Hell yeah. of a deal. So I went yeah. to Cabela's to get some parts for it. <laughs> Start getting some parts for it, and the guy's like, "Okay, well." Uh, pull it up and, and show me. You know, let's let's at least make sure it's it's like long enough for you. Pull it up. He's like, you're left handed. I'm like, no, I'm right handed. He's like, okay, but uh, like do do this and then like pull it on. Left eye dominant. Is <laughs> like, this isn't gonna work? <laughs> you got a yeah. right handed bow, and it's and it and it's non adjustable because it's some old piece of crap you got
0: at a garage sale, and uh, yeah, it didn't work.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so
0: so that's worth talking about, and and there's a couple of different philosophies So we could. We're not gonna. I don't want to burn up too much time with it, but archery, the purest form of archery, it should be shot with both eyes open. You should not be closing one eye like some kind of bullseye shooter, even though you're shooting with a peep sight in the string and a sight hanging off the bow's riser you should be shooting with both eyes open. Now, the only way you can shoot with both eyes open is if your dominant eye and your dominant hand match. So when I start off a new archer now, I determine what their dominant eye is, and I push them towards that. So let's say they're a right-handed person. That would mean they would pull the string with their right hand, hold the riser with their left hand. So if they happen to be left-eye dominant, then I have them pull the bow string with their left hand and hold the riser with their right hand. And ideally, that will get them started if they're brand new to archery, they have not developed any bad habits or had any other coaching. They can it won't be awkward and hard to relearn or change bad habits, right? Some people can do it, some people can't. I started an archery program this year. And I had one student who was right-handed and left eye dominant, there was just no way. Couldn't do it.
2: I'm right-handed.
1: I, sh- I I I just learned left. I just yeah. straight learning left, and it was fine. I just it, because I didn't have any habits built up.
0: Exactly. And the, the the I would say that the predominant attitude or belief among coaches is to do it the way that you did it, Adriel, for sure. Um, when I shoot my traditional bow, my struggle stick stick in a string, even though I'm cross-eyed dominant, I shoot with both eyes open and I put the bow on my left hand and the string on my right hand. And I've just been able to adapt and make it work. Am I ever going to be a world champion traditional archer? No, but uh, I'm also never going to hunt with traditional archery. So I don't mind, you know, I'll go to a 3D tournament. I've done it once or twice shooting paper targets, same thing both eyes open. There's no, there's nothing to line up and get me, me, me messed up with like a, a front sight and a rear sight. Um, and it's like throwing a baseball. You don't look at the baseball. You look at the catcher and you throw to the catcher. Well, you look at your target. It's, it's target focus really with traditional archery, both mm-hmm. eyes open. Right. Yeah. So, um, there's one guy who is eye dominant and he leans his head over the string in the strangest way. It's almost like you take a kid at uh, at a kids program and you put them on the bench with a twenty two rifle. And most instructors don't even ask. They're six, seven, eight years old. Put the kid on the bench. Put the butt of the stock against their right shoulder. And next thing you know, they see their left head. They see their head mm-hmm. creeping over the stock. They don't even know what's happening because they don't have any coaching experience and they don't understand eye dominance. They're just a line officer, and they don't get why the kid is putting their head over the. The kid knows. The kid instinctively is trying to look down those sights with their left eye, and that's why they're creeping their head over the rifle in this unusual way. Picture that with a bow. We got a guy here in New Brunswick who is cross-eye dominant. He's right-handed, left-eye dominant, and he gets his head twisted over the string in the most peculiar way, so he can look through its peep sight with the left eye. Mm. So, and it works for him. He's a he's a he's an accomplished shooter. So you know you know you don't step up and tell him he's doing it wrong. He shoots better than you. Go away. So. So get a coach, get the bow fitted to you and then practice because, uh, archery skill is a perishable skill. It's like anything else. When you develop muscle memory and technique and form, when you go away for it for too long, you have to, uh, your, your, your accuracy drops off. I, you know, put in, I don't know, I can't tell you how many hours and how many arrows, but eight years I took off before I went to practice on Monday and I, it hurt, <laughs> it hurt my, it hurt my ego and it hurt my back. So, um, but you know, cause I'm an egomaniac, I can't help it. I will say I still shot better than anybody that was there, <laughs> but I'm on the line and I have to like, oh man, just, I can't help it. I see somebody who's struggling and I want to help them. They didn't ask for help. So mind your business. But what I really have a hard time with is hearing the wrong advice. People who are shooting like crap and doing it wrong and then trying to help other people and making them worse. And it's just like, all oh, right, I got to go. The blind leading the blind. Oh, yeah, man. So I spent half my practice night thinking about, am I going to offer a clinic? Because I've done clinics here before. Uh, I don't want to be that guy anymore. Anyway. Um, okay. So, and if you can't do all of those things, get a crossbow and if you can use a crossbow in your area and you don't have time for coaching or you're no good with the bow or whatever, if you can shoot a BB gun, you can shoot a crossbow and it'll be just as rewarding for sure. So, um, okay. We talked about that. So now most bow hunting occurs in the following locations tree stand, mm-hmm. ground blind, or the less popular for what I believe should be obvious reasons, spot and stock. Spot and stock hunting with a bow is really impractical because oftentimes to get within bull range, they will have winded you, you will have spooked them with your sound and they just would walk away anyway. So yeah. it's, it's very, um, is it done? Yeah. It's done all the time, uh, but it's done by incredibly serious, dedicated, borderline professional hunters. And it's um, a specific kind of game, right? Walking through the bush with a stick and a string to try and get a grouse or a, a snowshoe hare or a jackrabbit, maybe, right? But it's it's a lot harder to sneak up even on a stupid mule deer or a whitetail, a black bear, maybe. Um, just of the three, it's, it's the, it's the most difficult. The reason why ground blinds and tree stands are so popular among bow hunters is because of the the question of range. You need to be on a game trail. You need to, or have the, the game come to you Mm -hmm. and come to you within a close, reasonable distance. I can shoot a deer standing still comfortable 60 yards. Um, But it's not, it's, there's a lot of risk in that a deer that's bedded even better. But ideally, like my comfort zone would be inside of 40 all day. But realistically, almost every animal taken out of a tree stand in North America is taken inside of 20.
1: Well, and it's, it's not just the distance there. It's also the, you have to move. So, if I move a rifle, my rifle might be sitting on my lap. I cock the hammer or put the safety off and I raise it up and I fire. It's actually very little movement. If I do that with a bow, now I have to bring the bow up. I have to draw it. Yeah, well, here's me. And then fire.
0: Right. So, put the camera on me for a second. We'll imagine I'm sitting in my tree stand here. So, here I am in the tree stand. I'm holding the bow up, but basically the bow is hanging on the tree next to me. So, I'm sitting facing. uh, Now, I'm facing my camera, right? But ideally the, um, 90 degrees to you, 90 degrees, right? Because if you're, yeah, if you are shooting a bow, you're standing perpendicular to the target. You're not squaring off parallel with the target. You're perpendicular to it. So you're facing one way in the tree stand, but shooting 90 degrees to your left or your right. So I got to get the bow Mm -hmm. quietly off the hook bring it around to my body. I will have already had an arrow knocked, of course. Yep. And there's release mechanical release aids. So sometimes hunters like a wrist strap release aid because it's always on them. They don't have to reach for it. They don't have to look for it. They mm-hmm. hook that on, whatever. I still use my target release because whatever. You have it. You're used to it. Right? So then I've got to get into a shooting position, get my bow out, draw come to anchor come down like it is a lot more work than just grabbing a rifle that's probably on your your let's face it your rifle's across your lap, your lap
1: yeah right i mean anyway yeah that's that's what i found shooting that deer that i finally shot that one year is i had to wait until it was past me before i could take that shot i couldn't do it like at broadside cuz it was it could see me so I had to wait until it was like five steps beyond, and then I could draw, and then I could fire at it. And it was, it was not a great angle. I had to almost fire directly in front of me, so it wasn't like a a, a really nice ninety. Like a yeah, wanted. you were sacrificing Instead, was... your
0: form and stuff. Oh, that's the other thing. You spend all your winter standing on a shooting line inside a archery club somewhere dressed like I am in a t-shirt and a ball cap. Then you go put on all your heavy hunting clothes and you've never fired an arrow wearing your hunting clothes. And all of a sudden the string hits your arm because you've got this much insulation from your big heavy jacket and it affects your shot and the arrow goes over the deer and you've lost the buck of a lifetime. You've never climbed your tree stand and fired an arrow. You've never fired an arrow sitting down. Uh, What is it? Train how you fight. That's that's the thing, right? Train how you fight. Mm -hmm. Well, practice how you hunt. I've gone into the woods, put up my tree stand, brought a 3D target with me, had a had a buddy with me. All right, stick that deer over there, okay? And I'll stick it over there, and I'll stick it over there, and try in different angles, different shots. Right? If you don't have time to do that, kids, get a crossbow. <laughs> yeah,
1: some of the some of the tree stands or some of the blinds that you might sh- want to shoot out, you can't. There's not enough height. You try, you try. Oh, oh. There's a roof here that oh, wasn't God. an issue before, and now all of a sudden my bow is hitting it. Now, what the hell do I do?
0: Archery <laughs> tournament guys set up so you got 10 stations, two animals per station, put one arrow in each animal, move to the next station. 20 animals total, right? Scores are 200. Station number one and two, they stuck a ground line on the right on the shooting line in the gym. <laughs> kind of cool, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until the dude with the Olympic style bow showed up with the, (laughs) you know, the the bow is like 60 inches from tip to tip. He's got his Olympic style stabilizers on there. He can't fit inside the ground line. they are like, what you got that at a tournament for? You would never take that hunting. You're not hunting, genius. It's a game. It's a game. Like, uh, it's practice for hunting. Maybe for you, Chuckle Nuts. But this kid just needs to shoot some arrows and he doesn't care what he's shooting at he's out there training oh man so yeah so the bows hunting bows keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller and um it kind of goes against fitting a bow when you get these short axle axle bows you got a real sharp string angle your draw length on that bow may appear to be longer than on a target bow, which is longer long bow is going to have a shallow string angle. A short bow is going to have a real sharp string angle and to get the same anchor point, you've got to make it longer. And uh, anyway, hunting bows should be the easiest bow in the world to shoot, but they're in fact kind of difficult to shoot because of how they're designed. High lead off short axle axle. So you can shoot from a ground blind shoot from a tree stand stuff like that so um yeah the most extreme ones yeah i
1: think so i think there's still like lots of uh, especially at the value priced uh end of the market there's Mm -hmm. those are very reasonable bows they're not extreme versions they they, they haven't crept in yet the um uh, string to riser length is still pretty reasonable and all that kind of stuff
0: Next on the list, one of you added broadheads, expandable versus um, fixed blades. So what we're talking about there is a broadhead is a hunting tip that goes on your arrow, and it has cutting blades, okay? And they can either be like this one, which is mechanical, and these are quite old now, but when I got them, they were the Cadillac of mechanical broadheads. When they
2: open... You might and even old... say they were all the rage. Nah, you got it. <laughs> wow.
0: Great. Yeah, raids in the cage. I killed a black bear with one of these rage broadheads, and when I got there, the lungs were sticking out the exit hole. The lungs were on the outside of the bear. That's how big of a hole it made. It's mm. crazy when the blades are deployed. It's a com- it's a full two inch uh, length hole. So, um, old school broadheads. The blades were, and I'm going to try and describe this as I do it. The blades were pointed towards the end of the arrow, and on impact, they would flip over and fold towards the back of the arrow or the veins. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is twofold. One, it takes a lot of kinetic energy out of the impact of the arrow to deploy the blades. Two, unless it was a square- broadside shot, they could deflect off of the side of the animal, not deploy correctly, only half deploy and just not be as lethal as we would want. So when these, this quote unquote slip cam design came out by Rage, they didn't fold from the front of the tip to the back. The blades orientation didn't change. It's simply the cutting edge slipped slipped slip cam from the front of the tip to the back and would be fully deployed before entering. By the time the back of the point entered the animal, the blades were fully deployed. And that's why you got that gaping two inch entry hole. They offered a two inch ver- a two blade version and a three blade version. So they're the only mechanical that I ever used. And um probably the only one I will ever use because they work and I don't need to reinvent the wheel archery. The archery market is horrible at reintroducing new gear for the gear whores who think they will get better by buying new equipment rather than getting good coaching and practicing and learning how to shoot. Well, I just need better sights. I just need better this. I just need better that. No, you just need to learn how to shoot, man. Yeah. The cool thing. When it, when it comes to broadheads though, Trevor, like
1: one of the things that, um, some broadheads shoot like target points, but some get of them there.
0: don't. And yeah. hit, like and some, that's some of them are really bad. So broadhead tuning is a whole mystical art. And what that means is getting your arrow with a broadhead to fly the same and impact the point of aim and point of impact to be the same with your broadhead as it with your um, field point, your field point or your target point. So hunting arrows, typically the points unscrew from the end of the shaft. This one doesn't want to, but it's fine. So that you can put practice points on so that you could, excuse me, not destroy your broadheads. This one sec. Mm-hmm. Like... Or your target. <laughs> yeah, yeah even if you get it, a... I, I use them with like a,
1: a big bag that's full of a bunch of poly, poly wrap. And yeah. I shoot target points at that thing and they come out so easy. And I get that's lots right. of lots of target shots at that. It's not hard. I got a foam block I shoot that with my broadheads when I need to make sure that they're hitting the right spot. But the even like that foam block, the broadheads chew them up, and Mm -hmm. it's that foam block has a lifespan
0: to it. It's not very many hits. No, it's not. No, you don't. You don't spend a lot of time. Like so, if you buy a pack of fixed blade broadheads, you're going to sacrifice one to sight in with. You're going to shoot that same arrow over and over, and you might move the broadhead from arrow to arrow to make sure the arrows are good. That's a good practice. In case there's a problem with one of your arrows, you wouldn't know it unless you shot it. Anyway, these rage, rage broadheads, they come with a practice point. And the point of aim, point of impact with this practice point is identical to the point of aim, point of impact with the actual killing broadhead, right? And the point of aim, point of impact with these practice tips is virtually identical to if you had sighted in with practice points. So another reason why... Rage is all the rage, as Kyle said. Fixed broadheads are the reason why we have a thing called drop-away arrow rests. Fixed broadheads often would be so far off from your field points and not group well because the blades and the broadhead were acting as fins, wings, and steering the arrow so veins kept getting bigger and bigger because it was just easier to correct the flight of the arrow and stabilize it with going with bigger veins veins are these things in the back of the arrow they're either called veins or feathers or fletching and so if it's a a feather it's actually a feather and if it's made from plastic material like this that's referred to as fletching or a vein so they kept getting bigger and bigger and then they were contacting the arrow rest and causing the arrow to kick off to the side. So they designed a rest that would drop out of the way as you fired the bow. It's a thing for someone who can't tune or it's a shortcut. It's an easy, easy way to get the arrow to fly. Or they've been contact. using the whisker biscuits and that good one. Really just goes through. Right. Um, and which is what I use. I like a whisker biscuit because um, the whisker biscuit is an arrow rest that is made of these little fibery whiskers. And the uh, arrow sits on top of that and is completely contained within these whiskers and the arrow veins pass through when the bow is fired. So that would look like this, the arrow is fired and the veins slip through, there's two different colored whiskers. There's black and then brown, and the black is a little stiffer and supports the arrow, and the brown ones are a little lighter. So the arrow zips through those whiskers. Um, It has one very serious drawback, and that is it will slow the speed of your bow down by a full 10 feet per second, maybe more. Your mileage may vary. If you know that, you plan accordingly accordingly. And you get a bow that is uber fast. If you don't have a uber fast bow, you can't afford to lose ten feet per second. Don't use a whisker biscuit. I like a whisker biscuit because with my draw length and that bow and that draw weight and those arrows, ten feet per second doesn't mean nothing to me. I sight in accordingly. I've got my sight marks. I know where the arrow is going to impact. Use a I range like that. finder. I, I can
1: keep the arrow knocked as I'm yes. walking out to my yes. blind. And as I'm like sitting there at the blind and
0: it's that's not going right. to fall off. That's right. Now there's a couple of drop away arrow rests that used to be on the market. I have not shopped for archery equipment in, well, eight years, but there's a drop away arrow rest on the market where what well, you would put the arrow on the bow and flick the rest up with mm-hmm. your thumb.
2: Yeah, and that's the ripcord. I have that on mine.
0: Ripcord. That's right. i got one downstairs in a toolbox. And the beauty of the ripcord was it gave you the drop away rest but it also gave you the I can knock an arrow flick the arrow rest up and now the arrow is contained and, and captured and won't fall off the bow as I'm walking from the truck to the stand so it's the best of both worlds it's a drop way to aid, aid with hmm. tuning hmm. and it'll hold the arrow while you're walking through the woods so if you like to walk around with a knocked arrow just in case you happen to see something that you can get a shot on what else we got here
2: uh, I'd actually like to add my personal opinion on the broadhead thing, like the Rage. Yes,
0: yeah, I forgot to talk about about Fixed Blade. First bear yeah. I ever took was with Fixed Blade. I love First fixed blade and only
2: blade. bear I ever took was fisk, fisk, Fixed Blade. I've taken a Moose with a Rage. Well, it took about three of them,
0: but... Uh-oh.
2: uh That leads into my opinion on Fixed Blades versus uh, Mechanical, and it's not yep. just a one or the other. I think like the rages if you're shooting something like a deer, they're great. Yeah. If you're going after bigger animals, like potentially bears kind of like that crossing point, mm-hmm. or like an elk or a moose, you, you need that heft and that strength.
1: Yeah. Behind you did you not get yeah. did you not get the penetration that you needed on that moose? You yeah. probably didn't get
2: no. the place
0: to deploy, right? No. Or, well,
2: they they deployed they, they deployed, but even like the ribs, just mangled the blades right up. Uh,
0: I could see that. they don't have the mm-hmm.
2: strength. We're mechanical, it's or not fair, mechanical?
0: Fixed. It's quite could actually, fix.
2: and it could drive through the shoulder blade if you needed to, providing you were at right situation.
0: Hmm. Right. I didn't even think I, about I, the I, ribs. I mean, yeah. I, I still would never try and shoot through a shoulder blade.
2: Oh no, but, I wouldn't try to. No,
0: but you're gonna be your chances of success with a fixed blade broadhead are exponentially higher than with a mechanical blade, yeah. for sure, because the blades <laughs> will fail, yeah. Um, there was a G5 a couple of years ago that was um, most fixed blade broadheads, you can dismantle them and replace the blades after they've been used. So you got a fresh set of blades. So their blades are fixed, but the broadhead is made of multiple parts that you assemble, okay? Well, G5 had a completely machined unit. There was no replaceable blades, no possible way anything could break. It was super cool.
2: It was the Montec.
0: That's, that's what I got. That's what I have. Yeah,
2: yeah, and that's what I killed my second moose with a Montec. And then just recently, I actually oh, went yeah, to Iron Will's.
0: Oh, I'm looking those up, and also Iron Wheels.
2: I I think, in my opinion, are like the G5. cat's ass.
0: Iron Wheels.
2: No, no. Though the brand is Iron Wheel. Oh, not. the
0: brand is Iron Wheel.
2: Yeah, and the, your two-inch cutting, yeah, diameter. You can get that. I'm pretty sure you can get that in an Iron Wheel fixed blade.
0: Oh yeah, look at that. Well, it's I like an old tiny style. Well, yeah, well, old
2: tiny like with new technology. Two blade. And yeah, like they, that's. I had a now I didn't go to the super heavy ones, but uh I think I had one twenty fives or one hundreds, but I shot a bear with uh with the iron whale. They were the solid single chamfer. Yeah. And like the heart, well, I was very sad because yeah, those it. ones oh well, yeah, man. the the heart was just liquid.
0: The um black bear that I took with my first black bear, I shot him sixty five pound bow. 125 125 grain rage striker, three blade, fixed blade, quartering away, went across his chest, heart, lungs, then I love this. Out his armpit, exited his armpit, entered his shoulder. So I had an exit wound in his armpit and a new entry wound in his shoulder, and it blasted through the shoulder joint easton acc arrow so car uh, aluminum tube on the inside wrapped in Mm. carbon okay (laughs) man like that should have been enough to make me never want to use anything other than fixed blade ever again because i don't know
2: so that leads me to another question for you trevor uh do you subscribe to like the ashby's principle where weight over speed of your arrow
0: um to i like a balance i don't want Too fast, and I don't want too heavy. There's there's a happy medium in there. After a while, like too flat, too fast. Yeah, it shoots flat, but it's like it's like nine versus forty five, right? Just shoot them with (laughs) forty. So an arrow that's too fast. Um, may not do the damage and is not a forgiving arrow as far as accuracy is concerned. And it can be susceptible to technique and form flaw and stuff. Um, I now my target arrow, the point on my target arrow weighs more than my entire 3d arrow combined. Mm. My 3d arrow is built light and fast because yeah. If that's a 27-yard shot instead of a 25-yard shot, it won't matter. The arrow is so flat. The arrow is completely flat, almost completely flat from 20 to 27 anyway on my current setup. My target arrow, nothing's moving. I got to hit a dime 60 times in a row at 20 yards, right? Yeah. Hunting, if the arrow's too heavy and I misjudge the distance, then it can affect me. But let's say I own a feedlot or a feed plot, and I know I'm never going to shoot anything past 22 yards, well, then it doesn't matter how heavy the arrow is. I'm always going to be sighted in for that amount of drop, et cetera, right? But I'll always tend to go heavier than Mm -hmm. lighter for sure, but I don't go to either extreme.
2: Okay. Yeah. I was just curious, like my hunting arrows, I I think right now they're just over 500 grains total. I was aiming to actually get over six at one point, but.
0: There's a grains per pound sweet spot. Like this particular shaft here, the grains per pound on this is 10.2. Grains per inch, grains per pound. What am I even saying? Um, these are old school full metal jackets and they're 10.2. So I I don't know. I don't know if I would need anything ever. And and I'm running a uh, hundred up front. Hmm. So, but these are too short. I got them from somebody else when I bought a bow. Trevor, wh- what about um, pounds pull?
1: So I, I ran 60 on mine. I went yep. through and through on <laughs> my deer. Uh, yep. Do you want more? Like, do you want to go for the full 70 or 60 fine? Or
0: So back in the day when bows were not efficient because cam limb designs, you needed so long. Okay, I'll, I'll try it this way. Let me try it this way. A sixty-pound bow today shoots as fast as a seventy-pound bow did in the eighties. So we used At to least, have to, yeah, we yeah, we used to have to shoot heavier weights to get, you know, heavy arrows to get good penetration because the bows were not efficient. So now. A 60-pound bow today is as fast as a 70-pound bow was in the 80s. And unless you're going for a Cape Buffalo, like 60 pounds with the right setup is going to kill anything in North America. Now, I know like Rogan. Rogan's a big bow hunter. Mm-hmm. And dude either has an 80 or a 90-pound bow. If yeah. I tried to pull a 90-pound <laughs> bow, i blow my arsehole right out my pants i don't know how Well, he's
1: he's going for something different but he he does elk but at the same time he probably he i don't know if he's just saying that
0: or if he he's probably gonna have it turned down well this is where i'm going rogan is no giant he's like five Mm -hmm. six or whatever right he's he's a brute he's big and he's strong but he's got these cute little hobbit arms on him so he doesn't have a 30 inch pull if you have a 30 inch pull if your draw length is 30 inches that's a hell of a lot of energy mm-hmm. launching that shaft. And that's also a 31 inch, 32 inch arrow. You're yeah. you're buying full length arrows and not cutting them. You're just putting in an insert a point and fletching them.
2: Well, that's so, a really interesting point with the speed versus draw length. Yeah, the
0: longer the draw length the longer the uh, arrow is going to be sent down range, especially if you're into yeah, the... acceleration. You know, yeah, means. if you're an Olympic-style archer and you don't have a minimum 29 half inch draw length, you are always going to struggle outdoors. Yeah. The boys used to have to launch arrows 90 meters with a stick and a string. So if you weren't, you know, a 30-inch draw shooting 50 to 55 pounds, yeah. and there's no let off, you're holding 55 pounds and pulling it through a clicker like a boss, right? Yeah. If you're a compound archer, you're a shooter. If you're an Olympic archer, you're an athlete. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. that's, that's something to consider for the poundage, too. Like I know I'm I'm shooting 70, and I, I want to get an 80, but i also shooting probably like a 27-inch draw length.
0: Yeah, but how much practice are you going to get in with an 80-pound bow? Like, you can't pull that all day.
2: No, you can't.
0: So no. why, why do you want an 80-pound bow?
2: Well, maybe not, actually. When I was shooting moose, because I... I had some bad experience and equipment part of it
0: yeah. as well. You can, you can kill a moose with a 45 pound longbow.
2: Yes, I know you can. Yeah. yeah. I'm not about to do it because I don't shoot my longbow near, near enough Right, I you need know, to.
0: So if you can do it with a 45 pound longbow.
2: Also more forgiving on distance. Now I'm not talking about taking a 70 yard shot.
0: Yeah. You
2: know, but when you're, when you're at that 40, 50 yards, uh, fifty-five pounds. I don't even know if I want to take that shot.
0: To, I would shoot a moose at sixty yards with a sixty-pound bow and not think twice at all. Yeah. And As I'm long only you a, know the drop, and you got it on the pins, and you can judge that distance, no problem. Oh, that that aside, mm-hmm. that aside, let's assume I yeah. can make that shot all day. My the only variables that I'm concerned about is will sixty pounds be enough to take a moose at sixty yards? Oh, um, with today's equipment, yeah. With my bow, uh, seven years ago, through through and through on a deer. Yeah, you're you're a big lad. You pounds. must have a you must have a thirty inch draw.
1: Yeah, thirty inch, but like with just sixty pounds. I don't I don't yeah. have a seventy pound bow. I just have 60. No, you don't
0: need one. But cruises through the deer. Oh god, it, yeah. it didn't catch up and everything, just right through. Yeah, and the deer's like, "Ooh, what was that?" And then he's like, "Oh, I feel dizzy. I, oh, I bled."
1: No, that would have been cool though. But no, it ran oh.
0: for a little bit, and so I.
1: I waited, let yeah. it bleed out, let it, because with, with a, with a rifle, God, like if I shoot something hard, I shot a deer this year at 300 meters, uh, uh, lazed heart and lungs. I'm like, I could walk up by the time I get to that deer, it's going to be dead. But with the yeah. bow, uh, uh-uh, no. no, let him shoot it. Yeah. I yeah, waited, waited yeah. that thing out. Yeah. But the, like that was a bit of a problem because like, uh, when you hunt in bow season, bow season, in Alberta, September 15th, it's warm. The problem with hunting in, in in that that temperature, normally, if I hunt in November, shoot the deer, it's gonna start freezing as soon as I start shoot as soon as it's on the <laughs> ground, right? I gut it, and oh yeah, it's fine. There's there's gonna be no meat spoilage in September. Totally different ball game. Now I gotta think about like cooling. Do I gotta bring ice and all this other stuff? Like, yeah. And this is like easy hunting. If I was like hard, if I was hunting in the mountains, I'd need to be bringing bags. Yep. Uh, coolers with uh, yep. ice in places them. places in all. Cape oh. Breton
0: where moose moose hunting. You're only allowed to walk in. That would involve like a whole other
1: bit of logistics. Now I'm going to be bringing yep. like a cart with wheels or something mm-hmm. like <laughs> something to pull that mm-hmm. thing out of there because and chests with ice and I'm probably going to need to quarter it. What are your rules in around there for uh, like around Alberta? If you shoot, I think an it animal, actually
0: varies on the animal uh mm-hmm. it's changed it's changed several times i um within like black bear right now they can show up anytime you used to have to present the entire carcass so whether or not the hide was off as long as you mm-hmm. had the hide with the carcass you were good mm-hmm. now i think you register your bear online you don't even got to go bother DNR about it the <laughs> other ones yeah the moose has to be complete they pull a tooth they used to take hmm. a tooth off the bear now
2: oh really you know,
1: Well, I'm I'm talking more like, what do you have to have on that animal while you're in transport for it to be legally in transport? Because in Alberta, you need to have proof of sex and proof Mm -hmm. of species on that carcass. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking like, boy, if I had to cart a whole ass moose (laughs) somewhere with a boat, I would probably want to chop that thing up.
0: Moose in New Brunswick is, um, you take whatever one you want. You get a bull or a cow, it doesn't matter. So if the moose is gutted, I mean, the bulls are going to have antlers on them. So it won't matter.
2: Well, see, so in Alberta, that's not good enough. You need to have testicle. The antlers, you could have the head sitting there. No, Mm -hmm. you need a testicle.
0: Yeah, I saw a hunting show one time where they when they gutted the animal, they made sure that they kept the package attached to the hide somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. just a little cutout yeah, little proof. So Hefe, what else you got with the bow? You got how many animals?
2: Uh, I've gotten the three, the two moose and a bear. Nice. Uh, growing up, I, you're talking about earlier, the positional shooting. So I grew up longbow hunting, traditional. Mm-hmm. That's what I did all through growing up. And we would go out stump shooting, practicing different positions. But the one position I had didn't practice was with... Because I shoot right-handed, so left foot forward. I didn't practice right foot forward.
0: Did your boyfriend?
2: <laughs> it's traditional. It's a real man sport.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Did your boyfriend tell you that? <laughs> uh, so uh, I had a deer come crash down on the right side. And I I, don't know, I think it was 15, 16 at the time. And I, I didn't take the shot. He was not 15 yards from me, but I didn't take the shot because I hadn't practiced it. But uh, it just goes to show, practice the positions.
0: You know how many people would have taken that shot and risked, oh man, they don't mm-hmm. care. Oh. Yeah. So it's bad. The animal, yeah. <clears throat> but that's,
1: that would be a hard one. Yeah. That would
2: be really I, hard I, one. Next time we went out stump shooting, I tried it and that it, it eased my mind because I was like, meh, nope, I shouldn't have made that because I didn't hit the stump that I was shooting at.
0: <laughs> Perfect. So stump shooting, is a blast, and I've done it. when uh, When I first moved home from university and got into archery at a couple of traditional bows, and I was on my family's sixty five acre homestead, and there was like a wood lot and fields and stuff. And yeah, man, I put a back quiver on with a bunch of wooden arrows. My favorite traditional bow at the time was the Browning Wasp. It's kind of a short bow uh, recurve. I never had one past 45 pounds. So stump shooting is exactly what it sounds like. You walk mm-hmm. through the woods, you pick out a rotten stump and you try and hit it from where you're standing. And it's great. Like there's not I mean, what mm-hmm. there's nothing bad to be said about stump shooting. You're in the woods, you're getting exercise, you're practicing your skill and you, you shooting stumps. And if you're stump shooting in the fall, well, every once in a while, one of those stumps has a gross behind. It just, something. <laughs> It's a blast. Yeah. Now, when you were shooting traditional, were you shooting wooden arrows or?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah actually we were making our own. Uh, yeah, of course. Laminated, we called them hardcore arrows. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, we were making our own arrows and everything.
0: It's so funny. There's a couple of traditional shooters um that show up at tournaments and like they're group tuning their arrows and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, you're worried about. I mean, I get it. You know, there's nothing better than a group of consistent arrows, but it's like having a perfectly set of match race tires and putting them on an 85 Silverado. <laughs> like,
2: yeah. Our tuning consisted of a leather glove, heat glove, and heating up the wood to straighten it out if it got bent.
0: There you go. There you go.
2: <laughs> well, we did we did test the spline and everything for our cock feather in that, but.
0: Oh yeah, that's yeah. Especially with a a wooden bow, a wooden arrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shooting off a shelf. Yeah, in you want your technology that I don't even. I'm not even aware of. So, okay.
1: <laughs> so compound. I see. We go. I see the recurve guys at uh, at at the range every once in a while, and they're happy just to hit their target. But like the compound guys are like punching like
0: that. So the arrow, what has a spine? Okay, so the spine is the stiffness of the shaft and how much it flexes. Okay. Think about a a stick and a twig. So a twig is short. If you try and flex it, it snaps because when something is short, it's stiff. It doesn't flex. It just breaks. Then you get a long branch, the kind your grandfather used to whip your ass with behind the barn. So that thing flexes and is flexible because it's long, right? So arrows are like that too. There's a back node and a front node, and that's where the arrow flexes around those two Mm -hmm. points. The spine stiffness determines how much it flexes. Okay. Now on a wooden arrow, you will find somewhere in 360 degrees, the stiffest spot of that shaft. And that is where you will put what's called the cock feather. Now, when I teach middle school kids archery, I refer to it as the index vein. Because <laughs> for obvious regar- reasons. Right. Regardless of the context, <laughs> when you say cock to a room full of middle school kids, it takes 20 minutes for the laughter to stop <laughs> when somebody inevitably yells sucker under their breath. So so you see on this arrow, there's a black vein and then two yellow veins. So what Kyle does when they take that dozen wooden arrows and they determine which part of the shaft is the spine, the stiffest part. That's where they glue that vein. And it helps with the flex of the arrow and archer's paradox. When the arrow flexes around the riser, as it leaves the bow Did I miss anything, in Kyle.
2: No, that sounds dead on.
1: Sounds like you've taught this once or twice before.
2: <laughs> Maybe a couple times. <laughs> I've,
1: I've, done a <laughs> I've done a thing. Yeah.
2: Any other, any
1: other things to think about when you're uh, bow hunting? A you're, big game, I guess?
0: Well, um, you're going to get busted if you mm. don't work the wind. If you don't, you have to take good care of your hunting clothing. You've got to make sure that you're using scent guard stuff that you're washing in the scent-free soap stuff. You're keeping your hunting clothing in a scent-free bag. So, it, you, you know, all that stuff. You cannot be fanatical enough about not getting winded because they're coming to you. And if they smell you, they ain't coming. Now the exception mm-hmm. to this is I can't speak for all other regions of Canada, but spring black bear in New Brunswick, they don't care that they smell you. They don't care that they see you. They're going to eat you. They don't care. They're a bear. <laughs> You're not. I mean, you can spook them away super easy. Don't get me wrong. I don't think anyone's ever been killed by a black bear in New Brunswick. Uh, bow hunting but like when I start setting up my baits and stuff I wear the same t-shirt all the time I want to sweat in it and then I actually throw it up in the in the tree stand hmm. so that they recognize my smell and it doesn't bother them right but you deer, can them to it exactly deer not so much hmm. deer not so much so interesting yeah yeah and people will set their their, their ground their um, tree stand up so that the the wind is in their face. The deer is coming in from the north. They sit so mm-hmm. that the wind is blowing from the north and it's blowing their scent away from the deer trail. Like they take that stuff super, super um, yeah. seriously. Yeah. When you can, sometimes the deer show up from the, from the angle you didn't think they would show up from and you just got to deal and with that's it. That's when you, yeah. Well, that's when you got to make sure that yeah. you are scent free. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so mm-hmm.
1: All right. That's well, all I got. Why don't we get on to uh, listener feedback? Uh, on Facebook, we've kind of been getting into it. Norse Warrior was uh, saying they got those G5s as well. They got a 29 inch pull, bow at 50 pounds, white raven archery. Uh, Random Day was saying this is uh, all why we invented rifles.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's not wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think we got. Oh, Will Saunders was just approved as a pal and our pal instructor. I haven't given the course yet. Uh, 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 uh. Need some more people in Ontario doing the courses. Uh, Trevor, you're a gamer. Next time you'll tell us you're a range lawyer on the Ipsic field. Have you range
0: lawyered? <laughs> have I, I range like lawyered? I I've like range lawyered plenty.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right, want get in, why don't we get into the emails I'll take this first one hey chuckle nuts anyone know if there's a short reach trigger for the redback I'm Ron Burgundy I feel like we have <laughs> a, a redback expert uh, on the show tonight. Trevor, could you answer this email, maybe? I
0: cannot. This email
1: is from <laughs>
0: me.
2: <laughs> uh, I did post. Come on! <laughs> I, So I saw it. I don't know if it's quite what you're looking for. You probably already actually found it, Trevor. But No, I
0: man. I, I had a chance to look for one thing since I sent this email, and it was like somebody converted a shadow trigger.
2: Okay. Uh, so I found a uh, a trigger from the Ipsix store. And it's a whole new shoe and spring and everything.
0: For the Phoenix. Yes.
2: Ooh, buddy. And it's got the after travel screw, allows for shorter press and reset. And Euro though. It was the shape of the ultimate trigger was developed with the help of biomechanical engineers and physicians for the best possible ergonomics (laughs) performance and perfect functioning of your trigger (laughs) with the Phoenix platform.
0: (laughs) So, I mean, I used to complain about having short little hobbit thumbs, right? Which would make certain controls a challenge to reach on guns, like mag releases and stuff. like on this gun, for example, watch what I've got to do with my grip to get to the mag release. Every time, yeah,
2: yeah,
0: it kind of slows things down a little bit. With my 1911s and 2011s, I was able to put extended magazine releases on there, and it wasn't so dramatic. It happens automatically in the blink of an eye when I change mag. I've never fumbled a mag change that I can remember, so getting it done. But the length of pull, man, like I just barely get my finger around it, and you know, Mm. a double action trigger pull can be a little sketchy anyway for your first shot when your finger's not in the ideal location for a proper trigger press, to, it just makes everything so much well, worse. Pulling, pulling yeah. it to the side instead of pulling it You got it. it. So yeah. if your support hand is not 100% perfect, you're going to yank that first shot. So yeah. if, I get, if I've get, if i got a more uh, appropriate reach of pull and my first shot isn't quite, I can just hammer it, right? Then I'll continue to get 117 alphas, but maybe I'll shave some time off. Don't get me wrong. I'm like my my stage plans and being fat and old is what messed up my time more than you know that double action. But anyway, <laughs> I know that the gun could be better, and so it's in my head.
2: Yeah, yeah, so
0: interesting. Well, um, yeah, if you want to pop that link in somewhere, Kyle, that'd be amazing. I will uh, pull the trigger on that. <laughs> what there. you did there, I see it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. awesome. 100 euros, so that's like 240 Canadian. Just, yeah. A gold bullion, nice. I think. you'll Kyle, <laughs> you're the man. the man. Thank you, dude.
2: Yeah, no problem. That's exciting. Kyle, did you want to take this next one? Sure. Good evening. I've been trying to find out how to get a Project Maple Seed event hosted at my local gun range. I'm on the events committee for the club and have been tasked with getting the information required so we can organize a Project Maple Seed event for our club. I've been to the maple seed website and couldn't find any information on how a club can host a maple seed event or get personnel qualified to instruct a maple seed event. I submitted an online forum request for information at the end of November and have not heard back. Listening to your podcast weekly and watching your YouTube videos. I recall Kelly and Adriel are both involved with maple seed and I'm hoping that they can point me in the right direction or a contact person to help us host a maple seed side note. I love the podcast. Slamfire has motivated my interest in competing. Last year, I started the club level 22 precision rifle competitions, and I'm planning to continue that this year and compete in trap as well. Love the content and look forward to it every week. Many thanks, John.
1: So, John, uh, that means that one of us doesn't have our shit together. So email, email the show, Radio at gmail.com. And we did. will, oh, sorry, with <laughs> your... Club name and we and location, and we will find the relevant shoot boss and uh forward it to them and reprimand them. Well, reprimanding of, of some kind, yeah, in the middle there, yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, just, just to be fair, like, uh, like, uh, Maple Seed gets lots of emails about lots of things, so yeah, we, we, we definitely want to get your club in there. Um, the long and short about uh, why we don't have any information on hosting is that, um, yeah, an appropriate bay, we send out, we have a hosting agreement sheet that has like all the information you need on it. And uh, that's just what we need to send over. So uh, we, we can make it easy that this is the right time to reach out to us because uh, this is the time when we're scheduling events. So, uh, yeah, email us at at gmail.com. We'll get it to the right person, and we'll make sure that you get uh, that event for uh, for next year. Uh, I will take the next one here, and it is fr- uh, doesn't say who it's from, probably at the end. Uh, it's James. James. I uh, started my trip December 15th, driving the truck to Revelstoke, BC to go snowmobiling, and decided to take the long way through the USA. Brought my oldest ginger snap river. Okay, that's 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 what it is. Uh, we left from New Brunswick and drove 21 hours and got to Anderson, Indiana. Stayed there the night, uh, the next day, and then started driving through Indianapolis, St. Louis, and crossed the Mississippi River to Missouri. And we started to, uh, decided to stop at a Cabela's for a break. My kind of place. AR 15 everywhere. Small AR, midsize AR, precision AR in every flavor, every setup you could think of. Not to mention the little baby handguns in every color and shape. Such a nice place. America, fuck yeah. How about a canoe full of P as a stocking stuffer? Hell yeah. What about $11.95 each? Take my credit card. Uh Adriel, Mo, and Kelly, you can uh all have one Ariel in your stocking. Ariel. <laughs> not only like Ariel, but Ariel isn't like the like a, an Ariel clay. <laughs> Kyle, you can go insert a, a slur here because you can go to your local Cabels and help yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that was Kyle. You can eat a dick.
2: Something like that. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure.
1: Yeah. yeah, We went to the cash and a local gangbanger was behind 50 rounds and a magazine. He looked at us. We looked at him. I looked at the cashier. We all looked at each other. I was glad to leave. We <laughs> made it to the outside Kansas City. Stayed the night and then went for a drive. So I wear the Kansas City Chiefs, play with the Royals, two different stadiums, and then drove through Kansas City, which is what a rundown city. Quite surprising. Uh, then kept on driving, uh, continuing driving, made it all the way to Denver, Colorado. Nice place. I was looking for some snow, but there was none. Drove to Marriott in Denver for the night. Next morning, went to a couple tax shops. Hours. For hours gears in this part of town there i think there's some french english like mixing yeah. in here yep and this part there was a lot of mexicans we drove up and went through vale colorado went overplace price moab in utah very nice continued on continue on i might skip a little bit of this <laughs> Uh, as I looked in the office, she has a friend and her friends look homeless and they're doing drugs. <laughs> cocaine, it's a very powerful drug. Oh, well, God bless your heart thinking that they're on cocaine.
2: <laughs> that's a, that's a rich man's drug. drug. They're Canada, on fent-
1: right. fentanyl. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Maybe they're on, oh, Trank. Maybe they're on Trank, but otherwise fentanyl. <laughs> uh, she gave us a room and we spent the night. The next day I was figuring we traveled travel some snow. Went to Revel School. Oh, okay, finally got to Canada. Went to Revelstoke and snowmobiled the fr- on Frisbee Ridge. This year was unbelievable. Where there was no snow, we had a base m- about maybe five feet, and Revelstoke was the lowest I've ever seen it. Uh, but this is Gun Podcast, not Snow Mobile Podcast. Yeah, we we have no snow in Alberta right now. It's crazy. Some adventures on the way. Ran off the road by a transport truck. What's a transport truck? Is it like a semi?
2: Yeah. I'm thinking that's what he's calling An a 18 semi-wheeler.
1: Wheeler. Okay, yeah semi-truck. I a Cadillac with no a... trunk bungee cords holding license plate and a sheet of Lexan silicones in the sunroof from the inside. What are Lexan silicones?
0: It was a sheet <laughs> of Lexan attached with silicone.
1: Oh, okay. That yeah, makes sense. Went, yeah,
0: when J- James right? you got to read between the lines.
1: <laughs> 80 mile per hour speed limit doing 95 pi- mile per hour and getting passed by everyone. Yeah. In the yep. US, yeah. Uh, Salt Lake City, white-knuckle driving through the city on a 12-lane highway doing 85 for just a 130 to get through.
2: One well, An hour and a half, and absolutely that's the worst place I've come across in the States. It's Salt Lake City. I hate it. Really? Yeah. I drove- do you stay on I-15 all the way through, it's going to take you an hour and a half doing an 85, and it is white-knuckle, you, everybody. Doesn't matter the time of day. Really?
0: Well, I stayed in Salt Lake. I was near Salt Lake. That's where I did the Mag 40. I thought so. I don't remember anything insane like that. Anyway. Okay.
1: spell, Montana. Avoiding suicidal deer and elk just out of town. <laughs> kind of reminds me of White Court. They got suicidal deer outside of there. Chick-fil-A and James B. Oh, from James yeah. B. <laughs> Kyle, you want to take the next one? Or Trevor, sure. do you have the show notes up?
0: I do. Yep. Yeah. Good evening, Slamfire crew. Since Kyle was talking about engine oil as gun oil, I thought it would be interesting to share the oil I use. Maybe it will be a show topic for another day. I'm running 10W30 synthetic in all my guns, as as they are leftovers from my vehicle's oil change. Uh, they run quite well, but I am not sure if there is excessive carboning since. I'm only racking up high round count in the two blowback PCCs. They run pretty dirty with any oil. I don't know how about I don't know about the others view other viewers, but I'm interested to know what camera Kyle's got. So Kyle, you talked about your new camera at the beginning, yeah?
2: Yep. Okay.
0: One tip I can offer for indoor photography slash videography is don't be afraid to crack up the eye crank. No, it says crack. It says crack. crack, (laughs) It says crack. Crack up the ISO. Get the shot first, then worry about the quality of the shot. Congrats to Adriel for becoming a PAL instructor, and I have some thoughts on that. On the paperwork side, when I took my PAL, the instructor wrote the info down on a whiteboard and had us students fill in the majority of the course report, including the Section B and all the dates. I believe that can help the overall workflow. When I did my RPAL with Dave, he only asked us to fill in Section A about the students. A business suggestion. I would also love to see if an alliance is formed between you and Dave. I have a name for it too. The Wild Rose Firearms Education Alliance. To provide excellent and passion-driven PAL courses for people across the Wild Rose country. I think it can increase. Tra- I think it can increase traffic to both of you, and and help and help people and help people who live in Calgary. But it goes to school. But goes. But goes to school in Edmonton, for example. Last but not least, I found Adriel's favorite hinge action. Some this bullshit was term there. Hinge <laughs> action. <laughs> who calls it a hinge action? Right? Break action. This was sniped from the Alberta Hunter course in All right, Add that to your Tony's 2024 extended goal as well. Go hunt. Best regards, Tony of Calgary, Alberta. So, we're still not editing emails before we put them in, eh? Just just scroll them in them. Just read read them. them as they're written. Okay. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's them. We'll never know. Uh, unless you <laughs> say
1: the listeners assume it was them. Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> that's the key. Always yep. blame the person who write the wrong email. Never say it's your fault. Hmm.
0: Oh, that's weird. It's written weird. That's why I mispronounced that word. Yeah. Some people have been listening to me yammer on since Canadian Reload Radio. Trust me. They know it's me a lot. We did our recent survey and yeah, a lot of people have been listening for that long.
1: Nice. Yep. Uh, this next one, uh, how is it that Trevor is so grumpy and yet so dreamy? Signed, Trevor. Actually,
0: random Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Dave. Um, two things I've never heard tonight. Someone said they missed me and someone called me dreamy. I got nothing in either um, situation here. I got, I can't Dreaming <laughs> you, Dave. Kyle, you want to take the YouTube comments?
2: Sure, we got none.
1: Oh well, that's easy then. Yeah, <laughs> on Facebook we got those done. Discord, we got. Ah, I've been in there and talking with people. What people bought from our Cabela's link in December. Now this might be from Hunting Gear Guy. It might be from Slamfire. They use the same link, and uh, the new thing doesn't differentiate, so they're just all going to be lumped in together. A Range Max tactical gun combo and a GSD. 16 semi auto rifle. Uh, oh, that was you? I, I don't I don't actually know who that who that <laughs> is. Uh but uh yeah, I have some strong suspicions. Barnes match burner bullets, redhead plan plaid, plaid fan, flannel pants and Lyman turbo cleaning milk medium. Also, I, I don't know who, who might have bought that, but uh one of our listeners probably. Uh and then the next person bought a whole bunch of stuff. A real avid, smart mat, cabela's utility bag, life straw, cap. Range Max 3-Gun Case. Outdoor Edge Eating Utensil. I don't know what that is. Is that chopsticks? Is that a fork? Is it a spork? I'm curious. A of Seat. Walker Razor's E-Muffs. They were down to $45 at one point. Oh, really? That's a, that's a damn good price. Usually like $50. Okay, like, I was going to say, that's like half off, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gerber uh, Guide and Saw Combo. That was all one, per- one order, I think, <laughs> uh, if my math is correct. Next person, Rio Slugs 3-Gun Case Master Lock Key Lock 3-Pack. That is the wrong purchase. You should have purchased the uh, combo locks, the combo trigger locks off Amazon, mm. not the mm. key to like. Because mm-hmm. 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 if you get to the range, you're like, oh, my key is on my other keychain." I brought the wife's car out. Well, you're screwed. Now you got to chop them or get in there with a screwdriver and mess up your trigger guard or whatever. Or as the combo locks work everywhere. And the last person was a blackout hunter carbon arrows uh, twelve pack. This is a gun show. We don't appreciate your
0: purchase uh, on our gun show. <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't bad arrows, man. Huh?
1: yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Twelve pack too. That'll last a while. Oh, you know, well, you always got to buy them by the dozen. Yeah, I've got uh, the dozen I bought the ten years ago,
1: maybe more. Maybe more that pal. So that pal course, uh, I looked, uh, I was, I was adding my paperwork to one of my uh, office boxes kind of thing. And I like, I had all, all my gun stuff in one spot, my card from when I originally took my pal course, 23, uh, 2003, January 13th, which is 20 years to the day when I taught my first course, which was not on purpose. <laughs> kind of interesting. Anyways, very funny uh we have an affiliate link on the side of our website that links to cabells and brown owls uh if you use that to purchase stuff we'll talk about your purchases once per, per month and uh we get a kickback from it as well Ridiculous. which can be good or can be small it depends hmm. thanks to our supporters on patreon and player uh if you'd like to support us head on over to there otherwise email are we on, on OnlyFans yet uh, I was and I got kicked off. For what? Violent content. I'm not sure. They're, oh. They're, oh. I, if I was getting slapped or if I was slapping someone, it'd be fine.
0: But yeah, right. She, she You're shoving a stuff. cucumber up your ass. No problem. No problem. Weird. The world. The world's a weird place. Uh, can, mm, now, yeah. I, can I upload hunting videos to YouTube or is that a hard no now too? Oh, no, I, yeah, you can. 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 Okay. Yeah. Just wondering. Uh, it's, uh,
2: meat eaters, all of them are doing it. Okay. They put their, they put their latest seasons on YouTube. So
0: I'll find the video where I smoked that bear was literally eating a beaver. when I smoked him while he was on his back legs and then <sighs> the, the, yeah, the, the lungs through the hole. I'll find that video and post it. Very good. Very good. Love it. Uh, shout outs, recommendations, Trevor. Uh, just to uh, the squad that I was with um, on Sunday in Dartmouth at the Ipswich match, and uh, and Richard, who recognized me from the show, that was really neat, and uh, he was a cool guy. So, yeah, shout-out to Richard and my squad mates.
2: Cool. Kyle? Uh, shout-out to the Lubbock crew for putting on a good match on Saturday and do another shout-out for Kevin for driving.
1: Awesome. I got a shout out to Steven for loaning me the 334 and for finding the G bags, because I could not find these anywhere in Canada. So uh, kudos to, uh, to finding those. Uh, finally, join our Discord server. Watch us on Facebook, YouTube, and Player. Join the CCFR, and we'll see you next week.
0: Later. And next week. My, my.